Again, I want to welcome you and thank you for being with us and welcome those online. And again, give a little shout out to Flipside South Valley and Flipside Rapid City and Flipside Idaho and all the other places that are joining us. It's good for us to all be together uh, in today. I, I, I want, we're going to start a, a new series that I'm titling That You May Believe. Here, here's, here's why. Because we've got to decide what will be the foundation of our life, of our decisions, of our perspective, of our worldview. And if we're not careful to choose what that foundation is, we'll fall into a foundation. And the foundation that we'll fall into is one of self-absorption, comfort, and selfishness. That's our culture. And so I think it's, it, it's wise for us to decide what is going to be a foundation for my life, for my decisions, for my perspective. And I believe that the only foundation for life that will be a foundation of success, of security, of sureness, of blessing, the only foundation that's unchanging and stable is the Bible. Now to understand why the Bible must be our foundation for everything. You have to understand the game of football. <laughs> so let me explain the game of football. In football, there's no game without the ball. Players can wear the gear. You put a helmet on, put shoulder pads on, put on your football britches, put your cleats on, get all ready to play. But without the ball, there's no game. The ball is the most important thing in the game of football because it determines the game. A touchdown is a touchdown dependent upon the location and placement of the ball. A first down is a first down, dependent upon the placement of the ball. Offsides is offsides or not, depending on your relation to the ball. A pass is caught or not in relation to control of the ball. Everything in football Starts, is maintained, and finishes in relation, has to do with the ball. The ball is the foundation for everything that happens in the game of football. So in our Christian faith and life, it is possible to get a bunch of the other stuff right. To go to church, to have all of the accessories of a player, to have the right verbiage, To have everything that looks like Christian. But if you don't have the main thing, the ball, in this case, the Bible, everything's just a waste of time. It's all just religion without the Bible. 
A Christian without the Bible is like playing a game of football without a ball. It's all activity and no purpose. As you can't play the game of football without the ball, I'm going to tell you this morning that you cannot live a true Christian life without the Bible. The Bible is the foundation of the Christian life and Christian faith. And the Bible is the authority for all of life, all of decisions, all of actions, and all of reactions. The Bible's a key. This is my Bible. Some friends of mine paid me for me to have it recovered because it was in such shambles and rebound. Before it was rebound, I had these two post-it notes taped on the outside, so I remember. Now they're on the inside. The Bible's a foundation. Deuteronomy 32.47 and Jeremiah 1.12. I keep them in the front of my Bible because of what they remind me. Deuteronomy 32.47 says, They are not just idle words for you. They are your life. And by them, you will live long in the land. Jeremiah 1, I am alert. God says, I am alert and active, watching over my word to perform it. The Bible is a foundation. It's not just idle words. It's not just a, a bunch of stuff that doesn't make sense. The Bible is, is a foundation by which I will live. God is active, alert, watching over his word to do that which is in it. The Bible is called the Word of God. The Word of God, that phrase is used, those words are used many times in the Bible. And they have a lot of different meanings depending on the context, depending on if it's the Old Testament in Hebrew and the New Testament in Greek. One of the places where the Word of God is used is in John. And next week, I'm just setting the table today. Next week, we'll start feasting on it. But in setting the table, we have to understand what the Bible means by the Word of God. And in John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, we get a glimpse into what the Word of God is. John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. The Word of God is more than just words. It's a person. See, when the Bible uses in John 1, when John uses the word word in the Greek, it's the Greek word logos. And he uses it as a title for Jesus. So what John is telling us is in the beginning was Jesus. He was, Jesus was with God. Jesus was God. He was with God in the beginning. The, the, the word of God is a title for Christ, for Jesus. The word literally the word logos means the expression of a thought, 
the reason or the plan. And so one of the things that John is telling us is that Jesus is the expression of the thoughts of God. He's the expression of the reason of God. He's the expression in physical form of the plan of God. It can mean the, the, the thought of the total message of God to humanity. And so Jesus, what John is telling us is that Jesus, the word of God, made flesh is the thought, the physical expression of the total message of God to humanity. That is Christ. And that is his word. Acts 11, the apostles and the, and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received what? The word of God, the logos of God. The full expression the reason, the plan of God as revealed through Christ. 1 Thessalonians 2. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it. Not as human word, but as it actually, the word of God, the expression of the full thought of God from God to humanity. The plan of God, the reason of God from God to humanity. The logos of God as revealed in Christ. This is the Word of God. It can also literally mean the written message. This. The Logos of God. The person of Christ and the written Word. Hebrews 4.12 For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing thought and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And Jesus shows us that there's an unquestionable link between the written word and God himself. There's no difference in the written word of God and God himself and God as revealed in the person of Christ. For it's in John 5, 39. Jesus says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. There's an inexplicable relationship between the written word of God and Jesus himself. See, what we know is that scripture, the Bible, is the testimony of Jesus who is the reflection and message of God the Father. There's another Greek word in the, used in the New Testament for word. Not only is logos used, but also this Greek word rima. And that's the written and the spoken words of God. And, and, and in Ephesians 6, when Paul talks about the word of God, he uses this word rima. He says, take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the rima of God. The word of God. That word that is written, that word that is spoken into a life. In Matthew 4, 4, Jesus says of when he was tempted in the desert, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, the spoken word. Jim, Jesus demonstrated the fact that we need the recorded words of God to overcome the devil's attacks. 
And so here's how the Logos of God and the Rima of God work together. While reading the written word of God, it begins to speak personally to you. And that's when the Logos to you becomes the Rima in you. If you've ever been in church or, or, or listening to scripture and all you're doing is, is, is someone's talking to you about the written word, the Logos of God, and all of a sudden it penetrates and pierces you. And you have those moments where you're like, that, how did he know? Who told him? That one got, that's when the Logos of God becomes the Rima of God, where the written revealed word of God penetrates and pierces. And it doesn't penetrate and pierce without diving into the written. And it's written so that it will penetrate and pierce. You follow me? The foundation. The word of God. It is alive and it is active. What I want us to understand is that there is no difference between God speaking and Scripture speaking. There's no difference. A lot of church people. Boy, if God could only speak, if God would only tell me, if God would only, well, he has. There's no difference. We are long past the time. When we're faced with issues, we go to a therapist, a counselor, a pastor, a confidant on social media. When God has already spoken. God speaks through his word, Isaiah 55. So it is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty. It will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. The God's word has so much authority that it accomplishes whatever God desires to do in it, through it, by it, and with it. It is the authority. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. It is the ultimate authority. The Bible is that which gives guidance and direction on every matter. John 6, 63. The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they're full of spirit and life. It's the Word of God that gives life, that rebirths, that resurrects all those things that were considered dead and decaying and diseased. The Word of God. And it must be the foundation. Scripture have already seen, Hebrews 4. The Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates, even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. It's as we embrace the Word of God, as we take the Word of God and embrace it into our lives, that it absolutely works in our lives. And then, and only then, to begin to tap into the power that is the Word of God. I was reading a book this week and it talked about the greatest desire 
in the human lives. And the greatest desire in human lives, the author said, is passion. We want passion. I don't mean romantic sexual passion. I mean, I mean feeling. To be passionate. We want to feel something. And that, that desire for to feel something is what drives us to acquire, is what drives us to for experiences. Just I want to say, I gotta feel something. That desire to feel is actually what drives what's behind it's the driving force behind social media. Because when we when we get positive feedback on social media, it produces a dopamine hit and it's addictive. And we'll take it. If that's all I get, I'll take it because at least I feel something. The tragedy is to give ourselves to something that doesn't matter in the long run. And to sacrifice purpose for feeling. And so the goal is to both discover and define what lasts and develop a passion for that. And the Bible is the only thing that lasts. The greatest treasure in the Bible is what the Bible speaks of itself. Psalm 19, verses 7 through 11. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making stupid people wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart, not depression, not obsessive control, joy. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The Word of God. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous and good and sound and just. They're more precious than gold. They're more precious than money. They're more precious than your 401k. They're more precious than your investments. They're sweeter than honey. Honey straight from the honeycomb. By them, the word, the word of God, your servant is warned and in keeping them, there's great reward. So let me ask you this. Can a Christ follower say yes to following Jesus and no to reading the Bible? Can a Christ follower rightly say yes to following Jesus? while saying no to reading the Bible. Jesus is the Word of God. Can a Christ follower rightly say yes to following Jesus and say no to reading His Word? Shall I press that point anymore or move on? (laughs) 
Notice what Jesus says. But the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Now, how is the Holy Spirit going to remind us of something we never put in our heads? God is faithful and has provided us with an advocate that goes to the Father on our behalf, the Holy Spirit. Not only does he advocate for us, because the Bible says that the, the devil is our enemy, not God's enemy, our enemy, and he accuses us night and day before the Father. So we need an advocate. And so the Holy Spirit is our advocate. Ain't no saint, ain't no Mother Mary. It, the Holy Spirit is our advocate, and he advocate, the Holy Spirit advocates for us day and night. Not only that, but the Holy Spirit reminds us of everything that he just has already told us. But how is he going to remind us of something if we never put it here? So can a Christ follower rightly follow God without reading it while saying no to his word? No. In my Wednesday night Bible study, we're going through the book of Joshua. And in chapter 8, I shared this a couple weeks ago, chapter 8, there was, a, there was a, a verse in chapter 8 that struck me. And then Joshua's taken over leadership of the nation of Israel from Moses. Moses has died, and, and, and God has passed the mantle of leadership to Joshua. And Joshua, in wisdom said, we're going to go back to the Bible. We're going to go back to the law of God. The commands of God is given to us through Moses. And in chapter 8, verse 35, the Bible says there was not a word of all that Moses had commanded that Joshua did not read to the whole assembly of Israel. There wasn't a, there wasn't a word that he didn't read to everybody, including the women and the children and the foreigners who lived among them. Everybody got to hear it. And what struck me is this, is that Scripture needs to be heard and needs to be read by everybody. And the thing that got me up is, is in, 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 back then, back then, those were the days where parents made their kids go to church. Kicking or screaming, I don't care. You don't want to go, fine, move out. But as for me and my house, ain't got no choice. Whoever pays the mortgage makes the rules. And you're going to go. There was none of this. Well, we'll just let them figure their own way in the world. There's none of that. And when they were there, they heard the Bible. All the words. See, it was more than just teaching them how to be kind to their neighbor. It was more than just teaching them how to be good citizens in their community. The school will teach them that. They didn't dumb it down. They didn't simplify it. It was the Word of God. And parents, you make your kids go and you demand that your teachers teach them the Word and you are doing the same thing at home. You know how, if you have kids, do, do, do you know how your kids are going to hear God talk in their ears? If, if you have kids, do you know how your kids are going to remember God's word and instructions when they face temptations? Do you know how? The same way you're going to. Ain't no different. 
One, by putting God's word in your mind so that the two, the Holy Spirit, can remind them of what the word of God said. That's how. And so as we go through this series, I'm going to give you two challenges. One of two challenges. You get a, if you choose to accept it, you get to choose which of the two challenges you're going to accept. Here's one of them. One is just to read a chapter of day, a chapter a day through John until I'm done with this series. Now, I'm taking my time. I, I, I really uh, enjoy the Bible and I love teaching it. I think it's my, it's my most favorite thing to do. And so I'm gonna take, we're gonna, it's going to take us probably through July to get through this. Little bit by little bit, chapter by chapter. And so one of the challenges is, is you decide today to start reading a chapter a day through John until I'm done with the series. And what's going to happen, you're going to get done. There's only, it's not that long of a book. You're going to read it in three weeks. And then you're going to start back over and read it in three weeks and start back over until I'm done with this series. And here's what's going to happen. These are not just idle words for you. They are your life. And by them, you will live long in the land. Here's what's going to happen. God is active and alert, watching over his word to perform it. And so you're going to read this. And then you're going to start over reading it again. And then you start over reading it again. And the Logos of God will become the Rima of God. Even though it's the same chapters over and over and over. It's different every time. That's one challenge. The other challenge is to pick up one of these three reading plans that I developed. Now, those of you, you can pick this up at the Start Here booth or email us. We'll send them to you. But you, those of you who are skiers know what these are, right? What, is, what does this mean? Yeah, novice. Easy, right? It's a little, little green circle. And so the first reading plan, if you're like, you know what? I Like every day read the Bible? Well, I developed a real easy reading plan for you. It's the book of Genesis, Proverbs, and the book of John in a year. Little bit each day. The book of Genesis, the book of Proverbs, the book of John. And maybe this is where you need to start. For some of you, are like, well, you know, I'm not a novice. Like, like I, I, I got like three Bibles, and so I, I got to be good at it a little bit. You know, you know what this is in the skiing world, right? Blue square, what is it? Intermediate. It's intermediate. Like, I'm not a beginner. I don't, I don't need the lessons, the how to put on my skis. I'm not on the bunny hill. But, I, you know, I'm not jumping out of a helicopter yet either. So I'm like, well, great, I got one for you. And, and it's, it's the entire New Testament. And so just pick, like, here, here's your plan for the year. Read the Bible through the New Testament year. Now, for some of you, you were born on the slopes. Your parents worked at the slopes. They always had you at the slopes. Summer and winter and in between time, you're always... It's the black diamond, right? For all the advanced experts. And so the reading plan is through the whole Bible. The whole Bible in a year. And so, so here's the thing. It doesn't matter which one you choose. You can do the book of John through this whole series, you can do either one. It doesn't matter which one you choose. Just pick one of them and do it. Because what the Bible says is that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. Even just the book of John. The book of John is sharper than any two-edged sword. The book of John is the logos of God that becomes a rima of God. So whether you're reading through the entire thing or just the book of John, 
God is active and alert, watching after his word to perform and do what he wants it to do. If you don't like my suggestions, there's a lot of Bible reading options online. Find one. I don't know how I can make it any more simple for you. But let me just add this. I'm not talking about, in the Bible, I'm talking about reading a devotional about the Bible or a devotional about God or a devotional about Jesus or a devotional about faith or a devotional about the Christian life. We're talking about reading the Bible. So if you want to read a devotional, that's fine. Go ahead and do that. But do it after subservient to the Bible. I had a professor in my undergrad that told me this once. He said, Carl... Never read a book about the Bible more than you read the Bible. I thought that was good advice. The Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, not your devotional. God is active and alert watching after His Word, not your devotional. The Word of God is not idle. Your devotional probably is a lot of places. So if you choose to start this, here's my suggestion. Think about it like eating. Think about it like eating. Now, uh, some days you eat really, really well, right? And you eat a lot. And you snack throughout the day. Like there, there ain't a moment where, you're, where you go without much food. And, and, and some days reading the Bible is going to be like that. But there are other days when stuff happens. And you realize it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon and you haven't eaten a thing yet. Now, for most people, when it's 2, 3 o'clock, there was a haven't eaten anything yet. Most people, some of you might be the exception, but, but most people don't go back and start eating where they should have been in the morning. Most people don't go, you know what? I miss my eggs and my bacon and my, and, and, and my orange juice, and then I miss my mid-morning snack, and then I miss my lunch, and then I miss my after lunch snack. And so I need to go eat all of that so I can make up for where I am. Most, most people don't do that. And so similarly, if you miss a portion in your eating, you can, if you want, go back and make up for the meals you missed, but you don't have to. So usually when you miss a meal, what do you do when you realize you missed a meal and you're hungry? What do you do? You just eat. So if you miss a portion of this, stuff happens. Just wherever you are, just start eating. Does it make sense? See, this is never, this is never intended. To be a club with which we beat ourselves up and beat other people up. This is joy. This is light. This is life. So don't beat yourself up over what you have and just start eating. And so why the Gospel of John? Why the Gospel of John? Of all the books in the Bible, why the Gospel of John? Well, because of what we know. John tells us why the Gospel of John. John 20, verse 31. These things, the Gospel of John, are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. In John 10, 10, John tells us what that life is, not just eternal life, but abundant life in this world. These things are written, the book of John is written, that you might believe either for the first time, you've never believed, or for those of you who have already believed, continue believing. And that in that believing, you have life. That's why the gospel of John was written. 
Now, there's a lot of other benefits to it, but this is its purpose. It was written that those of you who don't believe yet will believe. And those of us who already believe will believe again and believe afresh and believe anew. That's the purpose of John. See, the value of John is this. Someone has said this, that the gospel of John is like a pool of water in which a child may wade in and an elephant can swim in. It's simple, beautiful, profoundly deep. Whatever level you are, you just starting out, the gospel of John is a pool of water which a child can play in and be safe and frolic in in wonderment and joy. You've been around this thing a long time. And you think you're beyond the elementary things. Well, great. It is so deep. So theologically profound. So doctrinally deep. That if you were an elephant, you could swim around in it and never find the bottom. It's interesting to me that for the first 18 verses in John chapter 1, there's not one single command that we are to obey. The first 18 verses, there's no instruction. There's no way you could manipulate something to be a command, an instruction, or a law. The only thing that the first 18 verses are proponents of is just to believe. And so, in this series, we're going to go back to the beginning where we don't first do, we first simply believe. See, because here's what I know. Everything that we are to do must originate from what we believe. See, I obey because I believe God, His heart, and His character. I believe because I obey because I believe in the instructions of the Word of God. I'm obedient because I believe that God's Word and God's way are both safe and a blessing. Everything we are to do must originate from what we believe. And that's why the first section of the book of John has nothing to say about what I do. It has only to say that I might believe. The gospel of John begins with the overarching story of the gospel. The mystery of the gospel. That God took on flesh to rescue sinners by faith because of His mercy and grace. Not because we're good. Not because we get stuff right. Not because we become obedient. But simply because of His grace through faith. And Jesus has come that the undeserving might receive grace added on to grace already given. That's what the Bible says in John 1. Like I said, I'm setting the table today. We're going to jump into John 1 next week. But John 1 verse 16 says, Out of His fullness we have all received grace in place of grace already given. Favor in place of favor already bestowed. Blessing on top of blessing already given. We experience the grace of God in the fact that God keeps His promises. That's 
That's, that's part of the expression of the grace of God, that God continually keeps his promises. See, all through the Old Testament, Exodus 6 and 7, Leviticus 26, Jeremiah 27, God has made the promise, I will be your God and you will be my people, but I will be your God. And immediately once God told that to his people, God's people consistently found ways to be faithless. And right after God got done proclaiming the promise that I will be your God, God's people found ways to consistently say, we will not be your people. And gave God every reason to cancel his promise. Now that's the way it was in the Old Testament. Does that sound familiar to anybody? But despite the sinfulness of humanity, despite the rejection of God by humanity. The book of John tells us the word, the full thought, expression, plan, and reason of God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Though we gave him every reason to cancel the promise, took up residence with us, and we've seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Despite me walking away, because of God's grace, he remains faithful to his promise that he will be my God and I will be his Son. Grace added to grace because God always keeps his promises even when we give God every reason not to. And John tells us that this relationship with God comes through faith in Jesus, not by our will, but by the will and the choosing of the Father through faith. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who, what? Not did, but to those who, what? Believed in his name. He gave the right, the legal right, to become children of God, children not born of natural descent nor of human decision, or of a husband's will, but born of God. See, we become children of God, not by our own good resume, not by us filling out an application correctly, not by having good references, not by a good job performance, not by proving we deserve it, not by showing we're worthy of it. We become a child of God simply through believing in Jesus. And that by believing, God says, now you're mine. And the amazing thing to me is that God makes promises to his kids. And what's even more amazing to me, even to his kids, because they're his kids, even when they walk away, and even when they live with the pigs, and even when they consider him a non-entity, God still keeps his promises, not because we deserve it, but just simply because of his grace. He's already taking care of the sin problem because I'm his kid now. And guess what? If God says, I am a child of God, you know what that means? I'm a child of God. Doesn't matter what you say about me. Doesn't matter what I did last night. Doesn't matter what I'm going to do tomorrow night. 
I'm a child of God. Not because I've done anything, but simply because I have believed in Jesus. Because I'm a child of God. And not by performance, God keeps his promises. Because I'm a child of God. In spite of my deficiencies, God blesses by his grace. And God says it's real simple to become a child of God. But you might believe. That's why the first chapter, John has nothing to do with commands, has nothing to do with obedience. Just that you might believe. That's why the entire book of John is written. That you might believe. And that by believing, life opens up. And so today, choose to believe. If you've already believed, choose to renew your belief. If you've already believed, choose to return to believing in great astonishment and wonderment about this God and His grace. If you've never believed yet, choose to believe. See, we are all creations of God by virtue of our existence, but we're not a child of God until belief. And once you believe, God says, you are a child of mine. I'm going to invite you to pray with me. That you might believe. Wherever you are, if you've already believed, I invite you in this moment, as you talk to the Father, Say, Father, I believe again. If you already believed, talk to the Father and say, Father, I believe anew. I'm refreshing my belief. I'm renewing my belief. I believe. If you've never believed before, believe today. Say, Father, I believe that you love me. That Jesus died on the cross for me. That he was resurrected. That I could have eternal life, I believe. Follow that up with help my unbelief. But right now I'm choosing to believe. Father, we believe that these words are not idle words. That they are our life. And by them we'll live long in this land. We believe that you are alert and active watching after your word to perform it. We believe. We believe that this word is, is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, capable of dividing between bone and marrow thoughts and intentions of the heart. We believe. We believe that it is a light to our path. We believe that it is instruction and authority. We believe that in it is life. We believe that it is the reflection and representation of you. We believe. And Father, as we step for the first time or anew into belief, would you do exactly what you've intended your word to do? To rescue, to save, to renew, to create through your word. 
We believe. Father, we stand here today, before you today, having believed with a firm conviction and affirmation that we are your kids. Keep your promises to us because some of us kids get distracted. Keep your promises to us because some of us kids get all wound up and bound up in stuff we shouldn't be. Some of us kids wander, need discipline, be merciful and gracious to us. Some of us kids, in spite of ourselves, rely on your mercy and your grace. Some of us kids believe that you will keep your promises because we are your kids. Never to be neglected, never to be disowned. We are your kids. And because you said we are, it doesn't matter what the devil said. doesn't matter what demons said. doesn't matter what other people say. We are your kids. And nothing can take us out of your hands. We are your kids. And we come to your word that we might believe. We love you, Jesus. In your name I pray, amen. There's your reminder. Choose one of those options. Get in the Bible every day. You pick up those reading plans at the start here booth. You can email us and let us know you want us to send you some. Read through the Gospel of John, a chapter a day till we're done with this thing. And you'll find you're just beginning to scratch the surface of a very deep pool. Here's, here's what I'll do too. I just thought of this. As we go through the book of John, there's probably going to be a lot of questions. And there's definitely going to be a lot of things that I can't deal with in the totality of it. It's too deep. So if you have questions as we go through this, I want to invite you to email the church, info at acts176.com, and let us know the questions that you have. And what I will try to do periodically, I'm not going to put a schedule to it because I don't want you to hold me accountable to it, respond in podcast form to the questions that you have about the Gospel of John, theology, and doctrine for even deeper dives into it. So undoubtedly, you will walk out with questions Write those down, email us, and every so often, I'll do a podcast to try to address those. But let's get into the Word of God, because that's what a child of God does. Let's sing.